0: Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello Buglers, and welcome to issue 4020 of The Bugle. Yes, that is right, 4020 episodes of raw, pure, unadulterated truth-telling in this weekly show in just nine years and five months. More than one a day, if you include all the episodes between 293 and 4001 that we did not record. And uh, this is for the week beginning Monday the 13th of March 2017, and joining me live in London, here in the shed of destiny, all the way from A, upstairs in my house, and B, from the same womb I used to live in back in the day, though we weren't there at the same time. It's the woman who puts the sister into syntax, etymologist and grabber,
1: the scribbling sibling <laughs> herself, Helen Zaltzman! Hello, Andy. Hello. Hi. Uh, did they decorate our womb much like your attic is decorated? There are a lot of maps stuck to the walls to
0: cover <laughs> patches of damp. Cover patches of damp. It's to to educate. We put them up there to educate you and Martin.
1: Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a lot more knowledgeable about uh, the layout of the Arctic. Good. Although that is rapidly changing, so we're going to have know, to update yeah.
0: the ceiling. It's, it's quite out of date. Mm. Yeah. Just just imagine a giant teardrop <laughs> from the children of the future.
1: Or oh, the present. <laughs> I'll get your children to cry on it. <laughs>
0: Well that's quite easy. All you need to do is to beat them at, a, um, at, a, at some kind of game or sport.
1: That <laughs> seems to work. That is why sport is bad. <laughs> no, it brings sp- out the worst in people. That's why
0: sport is good. Worst in people. It <laughs> trains you up to deal with the inevitable disappointment and failures of life.
1: Well, evidently <laughs> it hasn't, given how much sport they've absorbed since birth. And they're still absolute dicks when someone else wins me. <laughs> Sport has failed. That's, so because, ban it.
0: that's because they have a bad aunt. <laughs> <laughs> just...
2: that
0: is anyway, another this issue. This is not the kind of conversation we should be recording and broadcasting. Well,
1: not as bad as our aunt. <laughs> um,
0: this is Bugle 4020, the 20th episode back, meaning it is episode 313 in total. 313, Helen, mm-hmm. is the number plate uh, on Donald Duck's car. That's number 313. Also, frame 313 of the ZapRuder film shows the moment of impact for the bullet that killed JFK. Join the dots, people. Join <laughs> those dots. Jet fuel doesn't melt steel
1: beams. <laughs> it's staring you in the face. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> uh,
2: at the risk of uh, causing a rewrite for the first part of uh, today's show, yep. you said we only did 293 bugles when we started. Oh, right. Was we it did...
1: 294? Yeah, uh, five. Oh.
2: Was it? Oh, <laughs> bollocks? So, do you, what you could do now is just disown those pre, those last two bugles to make the joke stand. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, maybe some of them weren't absolutely fully up to muster. They were non-canonical. Looking, looking yes, looking back. Thank you. Yeah, good, good word, Helen. Yeah. So we are recording on Friday, the tenth of March. Um, on this day in the year two thousand, the Nasdaq Composite stock market index peaked at Helen. How can you not know that? Six F- out of ten. 5,132.52. <laughs> signalling the beginning of the end of the dot-com boom. And on this anniversary, we ask, whatever happened to the internet? It used to be all the rage. <laughs> will it ever make a comeback? What happened to Google? And why 30-volume encyclopedias will never go out of fashion? And we look back at some of the most overvalued tech stocks at the time of uh, the peak of the dot-com boom, including DidYouStealMyPencil.com, enabling people <laughs> to find the pencils they lost at school. Uh, Pair socks for spare socks Um, People could uh, upload pictures of uh, odd socks that they had And uh, if someone else had a similar odd sock They could uh, argue over who got to have both of them And passengers reunited Putting people back in touch with strangers they sat next to on trains In previous years And on the 11th of March in the year 200 There's quite a lot of anniversaries this week The 11th of March 222 The Emperor Elagabalus was assassinated um, Along with his mother um, in uh, basically in toilets, then their mutilated bodies were dragged through the streets of Rome and thrown in the river. Uh, can you believe Helen? That is one thousand eight hundred and five years ago. It's still like so yesterday. fresh. I know. He was assassinated at the age of eighteen. Alexander having already been emperor of Rome for four years, married five women and two men, prompted rebellions in the Roman army, devalued the currency become a high priest of a new religion, worked as a transvestite prostitute, drowned his dinner guest on a special water wheel and, yep, uh, been slain with his mother and lobbed into the River Tiber.
1: He packed more into his short lives than many of us will yeah. ever achieve.
0: It does make me think, in a who had the more exciting teenage years, it is Elagabalus, one, Andy Zoltzman, nil. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there were just fewer opportunities in Tunbridge Wells to devalue a currency yeah. and uh, marry someone people. I read
0: more cricket books than him as a teenager. That though. is true. So maybe one all... <laughs> Also on the 11th of March in 1702, uh, England's first national daily newspaper was published for the first time, the Daily Courant. I don't know if I've pronounced that right, but... Helen? Well, who's going to know? C-O-U-R-A-N-T. You are the absolute wizard of words. You tell me. I thought you did quite a good job. (laughs) Thank you. Um, We have a copy of it here, in fact. Uh, Some interesting stories. Queen Anne, the first three days, exclusive supplement on the new monarch. How to look like Queen Anne in five easy steps. And Queen Anne looks at a thing, exclusive pictures, pages 3 to 17. So British tabloids haven't haven't really moved on very much.
1: Did Queen Anne get her post-baby body back? (laughs) after 17 pregnancies? That's the question.
0: Um... Yes, that's a a pretty dark historical hole to go down. (laughs) As always, a section of this uh, august audio newspaper is going straight in the bin. This week, uh, on the 141st anniversary of the first successful test of a telephone made by Alexander Graham Bell... Uh, With his first ever call, he put in an order for a 15-inch meat feast with extra pineapple and some (laughs) spicy chicken wings. He invented it, of course, after his mother, Mrs Bell, uh, complained, Alexander Graham, you never call. Why would you never call? (laughs) Alexander Graham, how am I supposed to call you? I don't have a phone. She said, well, you sort that out. Uh, Anyway, to commemorate this historic techno breakthrough, um, just 141 years ago, we are giving away absolutely free... Half of a telephone conversation with the host of the bugle, Andy Zoltzman. You just have to fill in the gaps marked with this noise. With whatever chit-chat, conflab or nitter natter you see fit. Here you go. Hello, Zolt International, Andy Speaking. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Yep, I'm listening. No, not really my thing. (laughs) Look, exactly what is this about? I find that kind of talk offensive. How did you get this number? No, I'm married. Who? Oh, I'm afraid he doesn't do the show anymore. (laughs) New York, last I heard, doing telly or something. (laughs) Yes, it is an unexpectedly massive tattoo, but he loved being involved in those two films, and blue really suits him. Bye then. Oh, yes. Yeah, Melbourne from the 13th of March to the 23rd of April. (laughs) Sydney from the 24th to the 27th. Then Auckland from the 29th, uh, on the 28th and 29th. And uh, Wellington on the 1st of May. Yeah, all the details are on my website, andyzoltzman.co.uk. What, you mean you can't make any of them? What do you mean you don't live in that hemisphere? F***ing time waster.
1: Top story today, International Women's Day. IMDb has added an F rating so that uh, you can see whether a film has any of the following female director, female writer, or featuring significant women on screen in their own rights. Um, so if those are the films you want to see, you can check on IMDb by that tag. There are over 22,000 films already tagged with it. Well, out of how
0: many films? F***ing loads. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Probably... Probably that is about 2% of films. And then when you search for that tag, it comes up with uh, films that have been tagged for female frontal nudity, lesbian kiss, suicide, blood, crying, and adultery. So I guess <laughs> uh, it is uh, backfired a bit as a good way of finding films in which women are having a shit time. <laughs> also, bare chested male comes up. So oh, right, okay.
0: um, a bit of light relief. What other, um, do they have other letters? Do they have like, a J J for. The P for patriarchy. J for for, heavily Jewish-influenced film. And that's all films, obviously, because we run showbiz, Helen! We run showbiz! Thank you, Moses, for getting God to tag that onto the Promised Land contract. We we run showbiz. That is why there are no Gentiles on this week's Bugle.
1: Moses would have a reality show if he was around now.
0: He'd probably have a wildlife show, wouldn't he? Because he... He uh, had a little incident on a river, didn't he? Did he get eaten by a crocodile as a baby? I can't remember. <laughs> um, is this going to affect the way that people watch films, do you think? The uh, the new F rating?
1: Well, maybe uh, men will be like, oh, I'm not watching that, it's got women in it. They right. might be empowered. What then?
0: Right. Um, <laughs> um, I personally don't watch any film that does not include an exactly equal number of everyone on the basis of gender, race, religion, sexuality, football team, height, degree of veganism, and political orientation, well, not not as a point of principle, just because I have children. Therefore, I no longer go to the cinema at all, or yeah. indeed anywhere else.
1: You only watch cricket, so I suppose there's an equal number uh, in that there are eleven people per team.
0: Yes, so it's very strongly uh, e- e- equal, equilibrial.
1: Yeah, in in that only. Yes.
0: Now, there you you um, highlighted to me uh, this week uh, a very exciting gender flip film remake. Yes.
1: People were excited about Splash uh, getting a gender flip remake. People were furious about Ghostbusters getting one. That's the world we live in. And now, Andy. Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> the passion of the Christ. <laughs> that is just every day for us in your society. Uh, no, the 1987 classic Overboard. Uh, so now, um, Goldie Horn will be played by a man. And uh, Anna Faris will play the Kurt Russell part. Um, I don't know if you remember Overboard, Andy. I remember it was one of the first films I ever saw on a plane when we were going to visit our relatives in South Africa. And so it's pretty much the the best film ever made. However, it does involve Goldie Horn being a rich, horrible woman who falls off her yacht, gets amnesia. Her husband doesn't love her, so he doesn't claim her from the hospital. Kurt Russell is a carpenter who is angry because she hasn't paid him for building her a wardrobe. So he pretends she's his wife, takes takes her to his squalid home and makes her look after his children. And that is a romantic comedy in the <laughs> 80s. So if you gender flip it, you basically get the film Misery.
0: <laughs> Are you sure you're remembering the film, not our childhood?
1: Well, our, our parents didn't find the love by building a miniature golf course together. <laughs> More's the pity. Imagine what they could have done with our garden if they'd put more windmills in it. <laughs>
0: God, if I had a pound for every time I've heard someone say that.
1: I'd have enough to build
0: a miniature golf course. (laughs) Now, every International Women's Day is marked by uh, a heroic quantity of men saying, what about International Men's Day?
1: When will men get their time to shine? Um, And also
0: people saying, come on, it's worse in Saudi Arabia, therefore you should take your pay pay disparity and be happy with it. That seems to be another thing that comes up quite a lot on on Women's Day.
1: Yeah, we're supposed to shut up because other people have it worse, but men... No thanks.
0: Well, one we, we suffer on a daily basis with, with the, the, the burden of uh, responsibility for yeah. all the millennia of unfairness we've but, inflicted on the world. It's very difficult.
1: Yeah, luckily, though, there is an International Men's Day. You get your day too, Oh. Uh, rather than 364 of them. <laughs> uh, and it's 19th of November, or yes. rather Richard's birthday. Yes. Right? Uh, an international man himself. So, well, that's why he was born
0: male, I think, wasn't it?
1: Almost certainly. Has a, has, a, has a woman ever been born on the 19th of November? Never. Never. Not allowed. She just have to stay up there. I was born on Earth Day, which is why I come out <laughs> covered in turf. <laughs> Rather than a call.
0: <laughs> God, I don't I don't remember you coming out covered. I didn't see you probably for... A,
1: About five years.
0: A day or two. I think you'd been moaned by then.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I think, uh, Helen... There's been far too much conflict between the genders over over the millennia, mm-hmm. uh, over the six or so millennia since, uh, God, nicked that rib off Adam. And um, uh, so I think we need to have, like, we need to prove one way or the other which gender is better and or worse by doing, uh, working out based on the historical events of Men's Day and Women's Day which of those two days has done more damage to the planet? All right, I'm ready. OK, because, well, for a start, I mean, let's look at the great things that have happened on Men's Day, 19th of November. The Gettysburg Address.
1: Oh, that's a bad thing, then, because it's just a poignant reminder of uh, a more optimistic time.
0: Uh, well, I mean, you say that, but, you know, it's it's a terrific address. Uh, it, I mean, in terms of keeping it brief. Got uh, four stars on total. Yeah, because the guy before him had done... Done two hours, I think, and someone was standing at the back saying, "For f- sake, get off! We've got Lincoln booked as the headliner." So we had to cram <laughs> it all down into about four hundred words. Um, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal.
1: Yeah, men though. Right. Sod the other ones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, well, what have you got for Women's Day?
1: Uh, on Women's Day, uh, nineteen fifty-two, Ronald and Nancy Reagan got married. Right. Bet they had a good time. Right.
0: <laughs> Men's Day coincides with World Toilet Day.
1: Yeah. Do you see? <laughs> so, I, mean, you, you, I don't know if there's any link. I can't be even bothered to make a joke about leaving the seat up. Right, That's just falling back on old stereotypes that I don't care for. Oof. See, that's what World Toilet Day gave us. Boring jokes about toilet seats.
0: 1916, Samuel and Uh, Goldwyn and Edgar Selwyn established Goldwyn Pictures, later part of uh, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer MGM.
1: And look at all the awesome films they produced. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, (laughs) Basic Instinct 2, Club Throat Island, one of the biggest (laughs) flops in all time, and Overboard. Van Wilder, The Rise of Tars. Showgirls. (laughs) Solar Babies. (laughs) Solar Babies. An uninvolving
0: and derivative dud, (laughs) which coincidentally I had on my... Uh, online dating profile.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) National Lampoon's Movie Madness. One review said, leave this one as history is intended, unknown, forgotten and detested by the unfortunate few who've actually seen it. Um, But think of all the happiness those films have given to people, Helen. Because of Men's Day.
1: Yeah, but on Men's Day 2004, the worst brawl in NBA history, Malice (laughs) at the Palace. (laughs) 86 games were suspended for the rest of the season. Right. And... Uh, in 1984 was the San Juanico disaster, an industrial disaster caused by a massive series of explosions at a liquid petroleum gas tank farm in Mexico, and uh, it blew up one-third of Mexico City's entire liquid petroleum gas supply and killed up to 600 people and burnt nearly 7,000. And you're
0: blaming that on men? Yep. Well, on Women's Day...
1: Without men, I don't think we'd be so (laughs) (laughs) gas-hungry. On Women's Day in
0: 1868... um, There was the Sakai incident in which Japanese samurai killed 11 French sailors in the port of Sakai. So, on your woman's head, be that.
1: On Women's Day, uh, Queen Anne got in as Queen and she negotiated the union between England and Scotland.
0: Right, and look how well that's going at the moment.
1: (laughs) 300 okay years. Also on Women's Day, uh, 1495 was the birth date of the Portuguese saint John of God, the patron saint (laughs) of booksellers, the dying, mental health, hospitals and nurses. All good
0: causes. He also died on Women's Day.
1: No, that, that's because they thought saints were born and died on the same day.
0: Oh, he didn't actually do it. It was a fake, was it? It was a tax thing. TBC. Right. Uh, and
1: 1931, the birth of the South African cricketer Neil Adcock.
0: Well, it was a terrific fast bowler. One of the most underrated fast bowlers same. in the... Uh, <laughs> Women's Day. In...
1: Women's Day. I mean, his, his mother day. was a woman,
0: to be fair. But he was a terrific fast bowler. Shared a
1: birthday with Gary Newman and Gaz Coombs of Supergrass. Also,
0: on Women's Day... Uh, the Spanish Prime Minister Eduardo Dato Iradier was assassinated in 1921. Thank you, sisters. And in 1949, Mildred Gillars, also known as Axis Sally, was uh, condemned to prison for treason. She was an American broadcaster employed by the Third Reich, Helen, in Nazi Germany to proliferate propaganda. During World War II.
1: Oh, if you're talking about Nazi Germany, Andy. On Men's Day in 1943, (laughs) the Nazis liquidated Janovska concentration camp, uh, murdering at least 6,000 Jews (laughs) after a failed uprising and mass escape attempt.
0: Oh, thanks for raising the tone of this show. (laughs) Women's Day, 1963. The Baath Party comes to power in Syria in a coup d'etat by a clique of quasi-leftist Syrian (laughs) army officers, if I may quote the internet, I mean, that's going well, isn't it? But... Because of Women's Day, that happened. Everything that's happening in Syria now is because of that in 1963 on Women's Day.
1: But 1658 on Women's Day, the peace of Roskilde was declared between Sweden and Denmark. And look how those pals are still getting on. Oh,
0: you have got a point on that one. But on Men's Day, perhaps probably the greatest, one of the high points of human culture and civilization, Pele, the Brazilian football genius, scored his 1,000th goal. That's, he did not Notice that he did not wait until the 8th of March to do that. He did it on the 19th of November because he's a man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but also on Men's Day in 1824, uh, a storm caused the St. Petersburg flood which killed 10,000 people because of men. <laughs> because of men.
0: Yeah, well, you say that, but then in 1985, on Men's Day, Reagan and Gorbachev met for the first time held in a process that brought an end to the Cold War and the threat of nuclear annihilation, yeah, which women f- were doing absolutely nothing about.
1: You can't do it if you're already trapped in a bunker <laughs> of society by men. <laughs> I mean, don't see any women in those pictures, do you? Yeah, Helen, we're going to have a very
0: awkward Christmas this year. Bloody
1: sausage party. Uh, but also on <laughs> Men's Day in 1994, um, in Britain, the first national lottery draw was held, spawning millions of really boring gambling habits <laughs> in uh, 1618 on women's day johannes kepler discovered the third law of planetary motion which is the best one because of rule of three as a comedian you'll be familiar with that <laughs> third time's the charm <laughs> the what of, is that law the square of the orbital period of a planet is proportional to the cube of the semi-major axis of its orbit right thank you ladies and gentlemen. discovered on,
0: women, on women's day yeah right
1: well, I mean, why do you think he chose that? Was he... He was, he was so inspired by women. By women. He thought, I can squeeze out another law of planetary <laughs> motion. If they can do it, if they can...
0: Yeah, if... but on the flip side of that, on Women's Day in 1723, um, Christopher Wren died. You know, the man who famously made a cathedral with a tit on top.
1: On, uh, on, uh, on Men's Day, um, the Slovenian philosopher Clement Jug was born, and uh, he made everyone else's name seem boring. We're all suffering because of Clement Jug.
0: Well, uh, Chris, um, I, I think you can adjudicate you want me to adjudicate? Yeah, which, uh, you know, which day has done
2: more damage?
1: Women's Day in 1979, uh, the CD was demonstrated publicly for the first time.
2: Given I was also six months old, I probably also shat myself. Um.
1: <laughs> With excitement about the CDs and also um, gender equality.
2: I'm going to say that the winner is sort of early August. <laughs>
0: You're a natural-born compromiser. Yep. I'm not getting involved. That's what the world needs. Right. I think we probably need to bring this um, this historical section.
1: Greek oil tanker prestige <laughs> splits in half and sinks off the coast of Galicia, releasing over 20 million gallons of oil in the largest environmental disaster in Spanish and Portuguese history because of men. Right. Men. Don't get as many natural disasters on Women's Day, do you?
0: (laughs) Evidently not.
1: Mm -hmm. Man-made disasters, as they're usually called. Coincidence?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you might have won, Helen.
1: (laughs) Eventually I'll win. Maybe not in my lifetime.
0: (laughs) There was a a delightful uh, exchange between um, two women MPs in this week of Women's Day. Mary Black. Have I pronounced that right? Mary Black. The, SN, the young SNP uh, member of Parliament who got into... Uh, at the age of 21, I think, wasn't she? She's only it? 22
1: now. She's yeah. been in at least a couple of years and um, doesn't seem to have been totally destroyed by uh, <laughs> that horrific job.
0: Good um, for her. She was in, a, in an exchange with um, Conservative Minister Caroline Noakes and was seemed to mouth... The words you talk shite hen, <laughs> um, which is not, you know, traditional parliamentary language, but it does raise an interesting question: of should Hansard record things people mouth,
1: or do they spend a lot of time doing wanker gestures in Parliament? I bet they do.
0: Well, I don't know, now it's filmed; they probably can't get away with it as much. But I imagine that was all the rage in the nineteen forties and fifties, wasn't it? <laughs> um, Jeremy Corbyn during the budget this week. If there was a facial expression Hansard, particularly when Philip Hammond made that uh, joke about him being so far in a black hole that Stephen Hawking had disowned him, it was a kind of political joke that caused uproar on the Conservative benches and made no logical sense. Uh, but Corbyn's face during that joke, you know, if that was recorded in the facial expression Hansard, it would say, you utter and you utter battalion of k-. Whereas George Osborne's face, in the days when he used to sit on the front bench, God rest his soul, um, he um, his face essentially just said, I am Osborne, the almighty one. Fear my power, Percy Pleb, for I am the harbinger of your doom. Whereas uh, David Cameron's face basically all the time just said, This is fun. I love role play. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Tony Blair, in his days at the Dispatch Box, basically his face just said this...
1: Do you see that um, that shot of Theresa May having a big laugh in Parliament this week? Yes. Terrifying. I think that was really, her open mouth was the tunnel to hell. <laughs> <laughs> you talk shite hen is um, it's quite an endearing insult, isn't it? Yes. Can't really argue with it. She does talk shite. <laughs> that's what they do.
0: That's their, that's their role, appointed role.
1: And then um, it's nice to have a slightly patronising endearment from someone who is only twenty two and better <laughs> at their job than you.
0: <laughs>
1: hen. So wasn't, was Thatcher ever called hen by anyone? Do you think, in Parliament? I don't think that was the animal she was most commonly compared to. What? What she was? was? She was quite beaky though. She had quite um, avian eyes. So hen. Right. Hen is uh, apt. Are you
0: saying that the world is run by birds <laughs> rather than lizards? After all,
1: I'm just saying don't trust birds. Okay. They're cruel.
0: Donald Trump, of course, uh, could not let Women's Day pass without paying tribute to uh, one of his favourite genders. Um, He tweeted, I have tremendous respect for women and the many roles they serve that are vital to the fabric of our society and our economy.
1: Well, I certainly feel very respected by him.
0: Moving words. Moving words. And, uh, I mean, some people did criticise him, saying, well, that's a little bit hypocritical given you know, everything. <laughs> but I think, well, what kind of world do we live in where a man cannot simply obliterate decades of overt sexism with a single tweet? Well, I think we need to be open-minded about this.
1: Do we Do we even want to live in that world where um, he would be responsible for any of his actions?
0: Cut him some slack. Particularly in a week where Chinese authorities have granted approval for dozens of Trump-branded businesses in China, expanding his commercial empire, uh, including... Um, Escort, escort services and massage parlors.
1: Oh, what happened to the trade war in China? <laughs> we reached a rapprochement very quickly. He's been in office less than two months, and look how well international relations are going.
0: That's right. Well, it just shows how you know sexual exploitation can bring America and China closer together at a high political level.
1: What the world needs now is hand jobs, cheap hand jobs. <laughs> uh, also, uh, this week uh, he released his uh, ideas for the replacement Obamacare. Right. Uh, with a very grandstanding name, the Republican healthcare replacement bill is called the world's greatest healthcare plan of 2017, which <laughs> leaves us nowhere to go. Right? You can't
0: not for, well not for the rest of this year, anyway.
1: I mean, how do you make a joke out of that, Andy? Right? Unless they're being sarcastic with it, is that possible? Is this the world's first sarcastic bill title?
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting that he's only gone for the the best one of 2017. Is
1: it... Well, he's expecting that in 2019 he is going to produce the the greatest intergalactic healthcare bill. Right. And uh, so he's just, he's just this is just a step on the path right. to even greater greatness. He's making greatness great again, Andy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, also, he seems to have been slightly moonlighting as a press officer for ExxonMobil.
1: Um, he's <laughs> oh, um... so busy. He's so busy.
0: Um, the, the White House basically just lifted. An entire paragraph direct from Exxon's own press release, um, and Trump has you know, paid paid um, you know, verbose tribute to Exxon for all the jobs it's creating because of his presidency that they announced in 2013. <laughs> and um, well, I guess, but when you're going to drain the swamp, Helen, mm-hmm. you need oil companies. To get the you, have to start, the swamp. you have to drain the swamps that were swamps 100 million years ago first, surely. Yeah. yeah. Before you get to the modern contemporary swamps.
1: Drain the swamp, then drill the swamp.
0: And um, Scott Pruitt, the head of the Environmental Protection Agency, um, who famously uh, was part of a coalition of state attorney generals suing the Environmental Protection Agency in a previous life over its clean power plan, um, he is. Uh, expressed considerable doubt about uh, climate change
1: um, yeah well can you prove it uh, well, it's... they've had a very cold winter in some places
0: right. yeah that yeah you're right the science is pretty incontrovertible um, but he's going against his own agency as well as NASA and basically all science
1: what do they know
0: uh, well I, the way I see it Helen is you know it's it's legitimate not to dive into potentially costly measures to save the entire planet when there is still, you know, a naught percent level of doubt. i say it's like when you're having a heart attack. You mm-hmm. do not want to call for an ambulance until you are 110% sure that you are definitely dead. <laughs> also, Donald
1: Trump is 70. A lot of his cabinet is pretty old. If the world melts in 20 years, why would they give a fuck?
0: Also, they're patriots. We know this. We know how much they love America and how they want to make America great again. America is currently the world's top nation economically. Uh, but China is catching up mm. quite quickly. So there's a vested interest for America to bring Armageddon about as quickly as possible so that when the world ends, they've won.
1: And they've they've had practice because they've made all those films about it in which only America survives. <laughs> so they've got plans. There we go. I mean, who cares if they lose Florida because of uh, sea level rises? They've got 49 other states <laughs> to play with.
0: Rabbit hole archaeology news now, and um, hugely exciting story, Helen, here in England. Uh, Someone looked down a rabbit hole and found mystery caves which were probably used 700 years ago by the Knights Templar or may only be 300 years old uh, or even 200. In fact, they're just basically used for modern black magic it's Basically, this story has gone from a major historic discovery... To a hole to, in a wood in Shropshire. <laughs> to a logistical issue in a local satanic sex cult, essentially.
1: Mm. Yeah, uh, so these uh, caves, um, where everyone was very excited that it might be a 700-year-old temple, because the Knights Templar, they were shut down around 1300. Um, allegedly... Thank maybe, you, Brussels. Maybe they were under the ground in Shropshire all this time. Dressed as rabbits. Um But the caves were not that much of a mystery because they were first listed in 1984, but then they were sealed up in 2012 to keep away vandals and practitioners of black magic. Right. So people knew about them because they were doing black magic in them. So this is something that was
0: dug up after for four years.
1: Yeah. Yeah, four years. Right. It's like um, if you mowed the lawn extra aggressively and dug up a time capsule that you put in last summer. Right. That was supposed to be there for 50 years. Um, But um, also the Knights Templar, they had at some point the whole of Cyprus. Why would they need to build a little hole in Shropshire in which to (laughs) practice when they could have more sunshine and uh, be just so much more fun to be above ground?
0: Right, yeah. Because it was quite an exciting story, this. And now it's... (laughs) Yeah, from
1: about ten minutes. Someone
0: found something that's four years old.
1: Have you not contemplated uh, building something below your garden lawn, to, uh, to dupe people in about 10 years' time. Shh. Shh.
2: Don't tell them about the dungeon. <laughs> Buy now at sexdungeons.com.
1: <laughs> That's where he keeps his wisdoms. <laughs> uh, the, the Knights Templar kind of invented banking, so maybe this was just like a bank branch. Right. And they kept it underground for, so no one could uh, pull the cash machines out the wall.
0: <laughs> Makes you think, though, What are the, what are the rabbits doing with it? Mm. Why are the rabbits twitchy-nosed, unlicensed archaeologists burrowing around, looking for stuff?
1: Everyone everyone thinks that rabbits' holes are kind of architecturally unambitious, but this shows otherwise. Yes. Look what they'll do if you give them the opportunity.
0: I reckon they nick the roof off Stonehenge as well.
1: Bad news for the concept of eternity this week, (laughs) as uh, the eternal flame burning at the war memorial in Omsk Went out.
0: Oh no! It,
1: it, oh no! Indeed, it's only been burning since uh, the memorial was inaugurated uh, on the eighth of May, twenty fifteen. Uh, so less than two years. It's a bit of a blow for eternity, right? Uh, because the the local government uh, decided it cost too much money to keep it burning, yeah. and they said we'll just burn it on uh, seventeen uh, holiday days a year to one of the military right. and. Um, So eternity actually means for however many days we can be asked to pay for it, which is 17 a year. It's a lesson for everyone. Although, I think maybe the Omsk local government, they know that if fireworks went off 24-7, you wouldn't even bother going to the window to look at them. They're just making this into more of an occasion. So you appreciate the eternal flame through its lack of eternity.
0: Uh, Omsk, incidentally, uh, um, is in southwestern Siberia in Russia, and it's... uh, Do you know where it gets its name from? No. Uh, Well, it dates back to um, uh, Peter the Great uh, crashed a horse into a concrete pillar and it was the noise he made (laughs) (coughs) Um, while he was eating a sandwich at the time. And uh, hence he said, right, I'm going to build a city there. And it was uh, named after that sure yep here uh we had the budget this week the spring budget um phil hammond the uh the Exchequer. hammering the self-employed
1: Ah. Uh,
0: slightly why um, does he hate us I, d- I don't know i don't i don't know um but you know I, I don't mind this you know anything that keeps those those um multinational companies happy there aren't that many of them there's there's four and a half million unemployed uh, unemployed self-employed um, and,
1: um, <laughs> it's sometimes really many, hard to tell which but, you are but there are
0: far fewer you know, multi-billionaire global corporations so that they're yeah. the endangered ones we need to look after them when will they catch a break? but taxes are going to become an increasingly difficult issue and um, recently there have been various suggestions that robots could be taxed including by Bill Gates the um, reigning world geek of the millennium um, and he's looking pretty good to retain his title. I know it's early days in the third millennium, but no one has ever won that title twice. That would be an amazing achievement. <laughs> um, he said, warning about the impending robot job you that know, if a robot does take the job of a human, it should have to pay the same tax. Well, Bill, little Mickey Microsoft, you should have thought of that before you started putting all the professional calligraphers out of business with your fancy fonts. And it does raise the question, exactly how many robots can you fit in Monaco? <laughs> and the Cayman Islands.
1: Um, but surely the point of replacing a human with a robot in a, a job is that you don't have to pay them. So what are they going to pay their taxes with?
0: That is an, I mean, no, that's a difficult question. Um I mean, robots mostly do work for cash anyway, so it's very hard to track. Yeah. I don't think track it down.
1: I think one of the reasons why the Terminators were replaced quite frequently was because uh, they were wanted for tax evasion.
0: Yeah. It was disastrous for the Treasury. Um well, it makes sense trying to make money out of robots before they, you know, the clanky metal bastards turn into grey goo and kill us all. I've got to stop wearing my... All right, what, Prince
1: Charles. Got
0: to, got to stop wearing my... What would Prince Charles think, wristband? Um,
1: you know, uh, my husband's PhD was in nanotechnology, so uh, his lab was occasionally picketed by grey goo protesters. <laughs> was it? Yeah.
0: Um, I thought nanotechnology was like developing stair lifts and stuff. Not...
1: Oh, oh, God. God.
2: kaboom Kaboom! <laughs>
0: kaboom. Is this, is this on... <laughs> I'm here all. I'm literally here all week because I live here.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get pretty good audiences uh, in your house compared to outside. Oh, four, sh- four people.
0: Also, um, the it turns out the tampon tax is still in place, uh, and uh, the government announced what what the, the the they say they can't remove it until we're out of the EU. Something they did right. announce they were going to end it last year. It was one of those bizarre, bizarre tunnel on this. On you know International Women's Day week,
1: can it's we extend a, it to a week? Yeah, well, yeah, It's an yeah, odd mean, thing
0: that the reason why we have a tampon tax is just fundamentally we are squeamish as a nation with any form of uh, bodily function, particularly female bodily functions, and this is proved by the, the initial House of Commons debate which uh, instituted the tampon tax way back in nineteen thirty-three, um, and we have a, a recording of it uh, here from deep in the House of Commons archives. The then Secretary of State for the Genders, Sir Helmsley Grofton Plank. Um, uh, This is him speaking, and Hansard does note that Grofton Plank was blushing a rather, quote, crimson shade of beetroot whilst he spoke. Mr Speaker, it it has recently been brought to the government's attention that a woman, or if you will, a female man, uh, may, on a recurrence of a cyclical lunarity, experience uh, some form of... Ex exanguinatio uh, biologicalis from her um, uh, Virginia Bell um, that re- requires uh, to be horatioed her- 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 uh, with some f- some form of tamponic uh, um uh, t- t- I'll um, uh, 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 oh, f- it. Let's tax it. And never speak of it again.
1: Well, if women will insist upon menstruating, <laughs> then they should pay.
0: You're not allowed to use that kind of language on this. This is a man's podcast.
1: You you know, um, uh, same-sex civil partnerships um, can't end on grounds of adultery um, right. because in Parliament they didn't want to have to have the conversation about what sex between people <laughs> of the same gender constituted and therefore what adultery was. Right. Because adultery is defined as sex between a man and a woman. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. They're very coy, our Parliament. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's such a shame, because the idea of Ian Duncan-Smith talking about... <laughs> <sort of thing>. <laughs> <laughs> Family show, Chris. Sorry.
1: Family
0: Sorry. show. Is
1: it, though? Your emails. Here's one from Sam, who says, Dear Andy, Chris, and whomever else is chosen to present this week. Thank you, Sam. This week, Andy, your former colleague and traitor, John Oliver, met the Dalai Lama to discuss his succession. When will Andy be meeting the Dalai Lama?
0: <laughs> don't need to. Um, uh, I have no, I have no succession to 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 worry about.
1: You're not trying to succeed the Dalai Lama like John is. No, <laughs> that's yeah. what yeah, all man. this HBO stuff okay. is about. I don't
0: like smocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> they don't suit me. Um, yeah, and no, I think uh, well, that's clearly what I mean. John's. Always wanted to be some form of lama, and a Dalai one would be a be a real bonus. Yeah, terrific one.
1: I don't know if he's got enough of a beatific smile because the Dalai Lama always has to wear one of those.
0: Yes, I mean it would definitely be a change of tone for the the, la- the lama hood. Is that is that the um, the Lama key? That, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> but he lives up near Dharamsala, isn't he, in northern India, they, where now India play occasional uh, international
1: cricket matches. So um. Could could John relocate to there during the week and then get back to New York to do his show on Sundays? Um, well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I doubt it. But if uh, the Dalai Lama lives near a cricket-producing region, then it's quite likely you would meet him at some point. Might bump into him.
0: Yeah. I don't know, maybe he has pads on underneath his uh, special cloak.
1: Well, he's always ready to go.
0: <laughs> always ready to go. You've got to be ready to go. That's what we learn from sport.
1: He's always just uh, creeping around the boundary, hoping. Hoping and praying that someone will lob the ball to him and it'll be his time to shine. That some
0: good technical lingo you threw in there. Boundary and ball. I'm well am you.
1: Well ball. done.
0: <laughs> we'll, co- we'll convert you yet, Helen.
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That was one of the more disparaging noises you've ever made at me. and uh, There have been a few. <laughs> Chris, you set up a, a little Facebook uh, competition. Yeah. In which you asked for people to uh, suggest what species a bugle pet would be, were we to have a pet.
2: Yeah, you want a pet for the show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Has
0: Rick- Chris
1: gone rogue, He's Rick- doing things without your permission? <laughs>
0: Richard Smith suggested a Yeti that makes angry promises. Then you'd have a a cryptics crossword. Um... Does, that,
1: does
0: that does that does that work?
2: No. Uh,
1: I like Edward Howarth's um, suggestion of a scarab beetle because it collects bullshit and rolls it (laughs) up into a ball (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: uh, Kate Swift on a similar uh, line says I feel a dung beetle would be the best choice but um, she also thinks an Argonaut octopus with its detachable penis uh, would be good Uh, reminiscent of the congressman's uh, wandering wang from back in the day
1: well, Jessica Kazuka has also found a wangish pet. Uh, she suggested a, a gooey duck. It looks like a penis. The name sounds made up, and it's edible. So when it eventually dies from having been forgotten in the soundproof safe, Andy can make a nice vongole. <laughs> uh,
0: Jeff Spakowski says, uh, "Got to go with a with a silver burlesque pony." <laughs> it's good there. There we go.
1: Ben Fitzpatrick says an osprey soars to majestic heights when it's around, but then it will. F- off for a few months <laughs> still hasn't forgiven you
0: <laughs> um, at least I came back
1: uh, Alexei devilishly suggests an echidna whose four penises represent four seasons of the bugle and they have large brains, wicked tongues and no teeth
2: <laughs> um,
1: just like you with your wooden teeth
2: right, uh, Simon, Simon Whitsum suggested a cockchafer oh
0: yeah well we talked about the cockchafer in an early episode, I don't know if that was before you were on. No, I think it was the bugle. Uh, Let me find out when the cockchafer was. Cause I'm just going to type cockchafer into my computer.
1: A cockchafer invaded my room on my wedding night. And I'm not talking <laughs> about my husband. I'm talking about an insect that was too large to be caught in a cup and put out the window. Right. My husband screamed, leaving me to deal with it. <laughs> Start as you mean to go on.
0: That's like an episode of Jerry Springer, though, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Richard Sales suggests a pantomime horse. The front end must always be Andy Zaltzman, whereas the arse can be filled by any of the rotating cars <laughs> with no discernible dip in the overall performance.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, zing. So we need to choose a winner, do you say? Mm. Uh, Helen? Well, it's your house. You've got to choose the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, I like, I'm going to go with Edward Howarth's Scarab Beetle because it collects bullshit and rolls it up into a ball.
1: I'm surprised you were willing to take that level of competition.
0: Compliment. I think it was a deep, a deep, deep compliment to this show <laughs> and the service it has provided to the world over nearly a decade. So I think we'll probably start another Facebook competition at some point. That's yeah. I, I, what is Facebook? <laughs> All right, Grandad. You remember MySpace? No. Right. <laughs> I was just, I was about to set mine up.
1: I had, to, <laughs> I had to explain to our mum what Facebook was some time ago. I can't go through that again with you.
0: Right. Uh, right. Is it like when your face is your face down in a book?
1: It's like all those people that you don't keep in touch with from school because they were boring then and they're even more boring now. <laughs> so I don't think you'd like it. <laughs>
0: that is all for this week's Bugle. Um, Helen, thank you very much for joining us thanks um, for having me joining Andy us, joining well yeah
1: well Chris is a, a um, human I being when say thanks him. for joining
0: us I'm really backdating that to April 1980
1: when you were born. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome
0: <laughs> um, you'll be back uh, I don't know when actually um, I don't know. sometime
1: sure uh, submit your written
0: application and I'll process it
1: <laughs> you you, uh, you edging me out <laughs> um, with the family business <laughs> One one day, all this will be your skin. Um,
0: we'll be back next week with Hari Kondabolu uh, and some stuff about the world. I did promise him we wouldn't do Trump next week, so let's hope Trump has a, a week off. Uh, anything you want to plug? Uh,
1: you can listen to The Illusionist if you want and answer me this, the other
0: podcast that I make. Until next time, don't forget to put your tickets for my uh, Southern Hemisphere tour. Uh, until well, next
1: time... I'm doing a live show in Los Angeles on the 14th of April at the uh, the Zipper... Uh, you can come and Ooh. see that it's a joint production with 99% invisible should be fun
0: oh, wow. is that the Radiotopia tour?
1: no it's not but there is right. also the Radiotopia tour in May in Seattle, Portland San Francisco and Los Angeles get your tickets at radiotopia.fm slash live
0: boom there you go goodbye buglers bye the bugle loves being a part of Radiotopia they and therefore we are better thanks to support from the Knight Foundation and MailChimp high fives all round give one to yourself as well